know what biases are driving the money and business decisions that you make and thus impacting your financial well-being? Hold on to that thought. Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life, where we take the time to explore the human side of money, because success with money is never just about the numbers. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons, and I am really, really glad that you are here with me today. And before we get into today's episode, I've got a favor to ask. We will soon approach our 200th episode. Yay! And you know, big, big, big shout out to Karen Hunter, who asked me in 2019, have you thought about having a podcast? Well, the rest, as you know, they say is history because that question led to what you are hearing or perhaps now watching on YouTube. And I am so incredibly grateful to her and her team who produced this show week after week. And I am also incredibly grateful for you, whether this is your very first time tuning in or your umpteenth time, tremendous, tremendous thank you. So here's my idea. To commemorate this upcoming milestone, let's celebrate together. And I'd love to feature your voices vis-a-vis dedicating that 200th episode entirely to your voices by answering your questions. So go to jacquettetimmons.com forward slash more than money dash 200 jacquettetimmons.com forward slash more than money, all one word, dash 200. I cannot wait to celebrate the 200th episode with you by answering your questions. But in the meantime, let's dive into today's episode. As you may recall, in addition to providing one-on-one business and financial coaching to entrepreneurs and small business owners, I also work as a for hire speaker. After a recent workshop, I got some feedback. It started out with wonderful accolades. And then the person with whom I was speaking said, but we did get some criticisms. A few people commented and said things like, we wanted something more substantive. Um, Another person said that they were expecting a more academic how-to. Now, she thought she was passing along criticism, but that's actually not what I heard. First, since I do have a more technical talk on how to invest, I mentioned that to her because it is something that I've done for other law firms using their 401k plan to help shape our conversation. So the way I saw it, what was, you know, delivered perhaps as, oh, I'm giving you some negative criticism, some negative feedback, you know, from those attendees who were, you know, looking for something else. I really looked at it as an as an opportunity for us to continue working together and to address the needs of those looking for more. So from my perspective, it was really hashtag win-win. But here's the second thing. 
it really gave me an opportunity to talk about a bias that I often notice when it comes to money in general and investing more specifically. What is this bias that I speak of? Overconfidence. Overconfidence occurs when you overestimate your abilities, skills, and knowledge. And this bias might show up as you believing that you are smarter on a particular topic than an expert on said topic. It could also show up as you equating the quantity of information over the quality of it. It can also look like underestimating how long it'll take to complete a task or a project. As it relates to the feedback conversation that I was engaged with, I pointed out how I only do a technical investing presentation post my foundational signature talk, financial success doesn't start in your wallet. And here's why. Money is steeped in emotions, as you hear me say, and, and at least try to convey week after week. And if you don't address the foundational stuff first, then some people will get derailed just as soon as the market value of their investments decrease. And while you know they might expect this to happen intellectually, they are often not prepared for their emotional reaction and they end up selling when actually the best thing to do at that particular time might either be to hold tight or maybe even buy more. That's the first reason. The second is this. Some people, they give themselves way more credit than they should for knowing how to invest. Now, to be very, very clear, I am not saying that none of the people who were looking for a more academic how-to session were inexperienced investors. I am not saying that at all. But I am saying that some of them likely held their abilities, skills, and knowledge in higher regard than what would best serve them. But here's the truth. I don't say that with any sense of judgment because most of us have been overconfident at one point or another. And I am especially tapping on the shoulder my fellow entrepreneurs and small business owners who at times we let our optimism cause us to overshoot our sales estimates. And what makes this bias tough though, is that there is a very, very thin line between being too optimistic and being too confident. The challenge, however, is that often it becomes noticeable. That thin line only becomes noticeable only after the line has been crossed. So even if you admit it only to yourself, when was the last time that you exhibited the bias of being overconfident? And since I've opened the door, this is a really good time to, again, talk about other biases that drive the money and business decisions that you and I make. Now, there are about 100 cognitive biases in behavioral economics. Clearly, we will not cover all of those in today's episode. However, let's focus on seven. I've just highlighted one, overconfidence, but here are six more, beginning with mental accounting bias. 
So according to the economist Richard Thaler, mental accounting is how you assign subjective value to your money. The found $100 is often used to prove this point. Meaning, if you find $100, you're likely to splurge and buy something you wouldn't have if you had to work for that $100. The presumption is that you think differently about money that you didn't earn and you don't think so carefully about how it is spent. So found money equals fun money and earned money usually has a purpose assigned to it. Can you remember when you treated money differently because of how it came to you? The next one is loss aversion bias. Now, this is the flip side of overconfidence bias. Have you ever lost money on an investment or have you ever lost money in general? I can't say that I've lost money in general, but I have lost money on an investment. And what's worse, and you may have heard me share this before, the darn stock still hasn't recovered since it took a hit in the 2008 financial crisis. However, I have just yet to sell it. I've yet to just take the loss beyond the paper loss and replace it with another stock. And yeah, I perhaps need to look into that. But holding on to losing assets is one example of loss aversion bias. Here's another, holding on to the status quo because it is what feels familiar and comfortable. Loss aversion can cause you to focus only on what you might lose and blind you to what you may gain a la the opportunity costs you may lose out on. So this looks like you missed the chance to make the decision that, that seems riskier, I should say, but may in fact address larger, more complex problems. Thus, you probably lose out on the chance to identify a more innovative solution. Um, or I'm thinking about, you know, right now I am switching uh, finance software and the one that I am switching from, I have been using since 1995. And getting used to this new one is definitely a hurdle. And I have to keep reminding myself to not just like throw my hands up in the air and stay with what I have been doing because of the limitations that come with that and to really just sit with the discomfort of the learning curve of using this new one. But if I did throw up my hands, that would be another example of loss aversion bias but let me get on with another bias to share with you, and that is herd bias. Almost everyone is familiar with the saying and the slang FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And sometimes the fear of missing out will prompt you to do things simply because it is what everyone else is doing. When it comes to money, I often see this behavior when individuals invest in stocks or mutual funds or venture capitalists chase startup trends. When it comes to business, I often see this when entrepreneurs and small business owner, owners design their business model and their pricing after what they see others doing, but they do it without any thought of personalization, personalization around what will work for them or what will work for their clients, right? So take note. 
when the only reason you don't raise your proverbial hand is because no one else has. All right, let's talk about the last three. The next one is outcome bias. You've heard this before as well, and you certainly have read it if you've read a prospectus on any mutual fund. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This is intended to help manage your expectations about outcomes. And it's also intended to encourage you to prioritize the process over the outcome. Whether it regards how you save, how you invest, or how you earn money, where are you focused solely on the outcome and not paying attention to the process designed to create said outcome? All right, up next we have anchoring bias. You have goals, right? Of course you do. And because you have goals, you probably have mapped out a specific plan for achieving them. If so, then you are susceptible to experiencing anchoring bias. This occurs when you are unwilling to change your initial course of action, even though new information has become available that indicates that you would actually benefit from doing so. Can you remember the last time you just dug in your heels, unwilling to budge on an opinion or tweak your goals timeline or modify your game plan? And here's the last one for our purposes today. Sunken cost fallacy bias. Now, this is the tendency to follow through on a plan because of the time, energy, and effort already invested, even though there's new evidence that proves the initial plan is no longer the best route. Kind of like anchoring bias, but on the flip side. So as you move deeper into Q3, which is when I am recording this, is the sunken cost fallacy affecting any of the decisions that you need to make? Have you reached the point where you're like, you know what, again, I've invested so much time, energy, and money in this. I'm just going to push through and just continue to do this as opposed to maybe switching things up a bit. Now, look, the goal isn't to eliminate your biases because one, I don't even know if that's even possible, let alone feasible. Rather, my point with sharing these biases with you today, as I've done before, is to help you recognize their existence in your life and your business and to encourage you to be honest about when they surface. Like I was just honest about the fact that I need to switch from this old software that I've been using, but I don't want to because of the learning curve associated with it. Um, but here's the thing. You can be honest with yourself about what's surfacing for you when it comes to your biases and do that without any shame or judgment. And this way, you get to choose if you let that bias drive the next action that you take or the decision that you make, or if you choose to intentionally do the opposite of what that initial bias might have you do. This, my friends, is how you get out of your way and give yourself the gift of making better money and business decisions. 
Well, that is it for today, folks. As always, thank you so much for listening all the way until the end, or if you are on YouTube, watching all the way until the end. I really, really do thank you for doing that. And before you hop, if today's episode sparked an aha or reflection, I'd love to hear more. So please send me a DM on Instagram. And don't forget about my invitation to join me in preparing to celebrate the 200th episode. Submit your questions to jacquettetimmons.com forward slash more than money, all one word, dash 200. Once more, thank you for listening today. If you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast or maybe this particular episode, please share it so that we can reach more people. And if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review because we do read them. And if you are on YouTube, also please feel free to leave a comment below. And if you would like to buy me a coffee, here is how you can do that. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. I'll be back with another episode and I hope that you will too. Until then, remember, it's about more than money. Mm -hmm.